That's the Daily Dispatch in discussion with Darren Mann. Your headlines in today's Daily Dispatch, Thursday the 28th of October. Hawks probe Eastern Cape toilet tenders worth 1.5 billion rand. The Hawks are investigating how two Eastern Cape district municipalities awarded contracts worth more than 1.5 billion rand to a Komani company, Izueletu Semfors, which they say did little of the specified work. Also off the front page of today's dispatch, over 60s could get 100 rand for having a COVID jab. Over 60s could soon be walking out of COVID-19 vaccination centres with 100 rand as well as protection from severe illness and death. Business for South Africa said in its newsletter on Wednesday that over 60s who get vaccinated during November would automatically receive a VUMA vaccination voucher valued at 100 rand. Those are the headlines in today's Daily Dispatch, Thursday, October 28. Enter the Daily Dispatch winner car competition and you could drive away in the new seven-seater Suzuki Ortiga 1.5 GA. The competition closes on the 21st of November 2021 and an entry form is printed in the Daily Dispatch every day. The more you enter, the luckier you get. Get your copy of the Daily Dispatch and enter now. Win a car, proudly brought to you by Daily Dispatch and Ronnie's Motors. Today's Daily Dispatch in discussion with Darren Mann features the incredible story of achieving a dream against all odds. It involves Dr. Isak Johan Haroff, who studied as a medical student and graduated from Walter Sisulu University. Not only did he face major cultural and language challenges, but he also, at some stage, was confined to a wheelchair as a result of injuries sustained in a bus trip home. He's from Warrington near Kimberley, and he was also diagnosed, if that wasn't enough, he was diagnosed with a rare form of cancer. Very pleased to say he joins us on the Daily Dispatch in discussion today. Dr. Horoff, thank you for joining us and congratulations on your achievement. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it and thanks for having me. Take us right back to the start. I don't imagine there were too many white Afrikaans first language speakers at Walter Sisulu University in your faculty. How did you come to study there? So um, I realized in matric that my marks wouldn't be getting me into all of the mainstream universities. So I started researching about uh, medical schools in, in the southern, southern, southern Africa. And I came about Walter Cecilia University. And since I really wanted to do medicine, I was just like, well, I will apply here. And um, I applied there and I got invited for the interview and um, I got accepted. Um, and I left left a whole life back at home and, and moved to Mtata. And um, I'm never, I haven't looked back one day. Or doing that. You come from a medical background, your father himself is a doctor? Yes, yes, that's correct. So my father's a GP in a small town called Warrington in the Northern Cape. Um, it's a very, very small town, like you sneezed and you threw the town, but yeah, he's, he's a GP there. And your dream to become a doctor, was that inspired wholly by him or were there other factors at play? So we, we always went as children with him to work and after school, we'll, the surgery was just opposite the primary school where I w- went to. So, I mean, I was exposed to it as from a very young age, but um, I mean, he, he made it very clear that he never expected me to become a doctor. Like 
it is it was all my own doing and my own choice um i was very good at accounting in high school i had a love for law um and there was there was really other options for me but medicine was just always the answer like after every shadow like medicine was the answer it was just where i felt home and at peace you said you applied to many different medical faculties at many different universities. Walter Sisulu was the only one who called you in for an interview. Tell us a bit about the cultural and language difficulties experienced. You're a first language Afrikaans speaker. And I'm, I'm here also thinking a little about the, the lecturers who would have had a few challenges in reaching you with all the necessary information. Yeah, so, but, I mean... The whole university exists of of people from many different backgrounds, lecturers um, and students alike. Um, I mean, we had Cuban lecturers, we had um, Indian lecturers that are from India directly. We had many lecturers that are from Africa, Congo, Ghana, um, Zimbabwe, Swaziland. Um, I mean, they they from all over, and and the support from the lecturers when it comes to a language barrier is, is, is really amazing. Like they will explain to you over and over until you understand. And where they left off, I always had friends in my class, especially in first and second year, the very few that they were that could understand a bit of Afrikaans um, were always sitting very near to me or I was, I was sitting near to them and there was always some form of translation going on. Um, I mean, I don't make an excuse as Central South Africans that doesn't necessarily speak that good English, but like where I came from, English was really not the language that was spoken by anyone from any background. So um, it's something that we did on school, but it's not something that was focused on. And that made a huge difference, especially if you consider doing all the subjects in English, Afrikaans, and now suddenly switching over to English. It made it very difficult. Um, but the support from everyone was amazing. Like that's the one thing I can tell you, say about Wusu is that you as a student, you are never just a number, you are a name, and you are always given the care that you that you need to achieve what you want to be. If you want it, of course. You also had to overcome a number of physical challenges. Originally, as you said, from Warrington near Kimberley, even a bus accident on a trip home, which left you confined to a wheelchair for a while, couldn't stand in the way of your dream. Tell us about that traumatic experience. So um, I, I went home for the Easter weekend actually to fetch my motorcycle. Uh, funny enough, and it was Good Friday. I went home after exams, and then um, the bus randomly rolled just before Penuk Bus at nine o'clock at night, I think. Um, and when I woke up, I was still stuck in the bus. Um, and yeah, so when I woke up, I realized immediately that I was paralyzed, and um, I like knew at which level of course and also i had severe bleeding from a head wound so for me that was very like it's the one thing that i said i never wanted to be paralyzed but there was something that night that 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 made me fight for for my life and um so when i when i woke up there was people carrying everyone out and then when they got to me i was lost in the bus uh, they helped me out and then as soon as i was free from the bus they left me there 
and then um, I could hear my phone actually ringing in the in the bus while while we were lying there, and I knew it was my parents, and I knew I had to get to them some way or another that they can start arranging ambulances. And there was a an uh, English, I'm not sure what it is, but in Afrikaans it's called the Barmahartige Samaritan, and that guy he was someone that borrowed me his phone and he stayed with me the whole time and we called my parents and ambulances came and then I was transferred to hospital. So it was quite a horrific experience for me. Um, like to this day, it is still something that I really struggle with, like to be not in control of a moving object, like even flying is difficult for me. Like, because I'm, I'm not flying. I'm, I'm just a passenger. That's very difficult. But otherwise, yeah, that's, that's what I can say about the accident. The Baramhartige Samaritan translates into the Good Samaritan. That's, uh, yeah, that's great. You say you fought for your life. You also fought for the ability to not be confined to a wheelchair. That got in the way of your studies for a little while, I would imagine? Yes, it did. So um, I, I tried to go back to school, like, soon as possible but it was very difficult especially considering the wheelchair you'll see that one picture that was on the newspaper article that's how i went to school like in a wheelchair with my walker behind with a bag on wheels behind that with all the medical things that i had to use and self-catheterization and etc etc um so it was it was very difficult and it, and it definitely definitely made me fall behind I did manage to finish some subjects. I didn't finish everything. And then um, the university allowed me to just continue with the subjects in the next year, just prior to getting the diagnosed with the cancer. How long did it take you to get the ability to walk back? As far as I remember, like, um, so it was about 12 days in hospital where I, I was really just moving toes and moving feet and had to learn, like, Totally, totally learned to walk from the start. So after about four days, I could move my feet. And after about 10 days, I could move my legs. And then, um, like, they, they slowly built me up. And then after six weeks, I could walk with a walker, but only a few steps. Um, and then, like, of course, it, it just, like, it's like learning to walk from start again, like totally, totally learning from, from start. Like even to this day, I can't walk upstairs um, or on, on, on escalators without looking physically at the floor. Um, that, like we call it proprioception, that, that, that ability of the brain to tell, your, to, to tell where your feet is without knowing, without seeing where the feet is. I don't have that ability. That's the one thing that I still struggle with. Um, but otherwise, it, 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 it really, the, the immobility was the one thing that really made it very difficult. The challenges just kept coming. I think it was the following year that you were diagnosed with a rare form of cancer and you had several operations and were in and out of hospital for months. Yes. So it was actually exactly one year and two days after the accident. It was on the 1st of April. Um, that I still had some like side effects left from the spinal cord injury. And my neurologists um, said after one year, if the problems are still there, um, we could warrant further investigation. So after one year, I went for 
to the urologist for normal like male related spinal cord injuries um and the urologist couldn't find anything so he referred me to a general surgeon where we went for a, a colonoscopy and then they found this two very small nodules in the inside of my rectum um which they then biopsied they didn't even think much of it and then it came back as a neuroendocrine tumor which usually is not something that is a problem um and but there's always a certain percentage of them that are problematic and i had one of the intermediate ones and when i went for further ct scanning we saw that there's a big growth into the mesorectal fat as well as growth towards um pelvic lymph nodes and also there were some spots on my liver which to this day we're not sure what it is because they're too small so currently we're just monitoring them but all the other nodules are are taken care of doctor then at a personal level you also at some stage had to deal with the trauma and depressing situation of as many as six people close to you losing their lives during the course of just under two months that is something that that is is quite a personal thing um it's it's stuff that you just have to work through um but i didn't realize the big impact it it does have on a person um i mean the one person was my girlfriend that that, that passed away due to meningitis um the other person was like my one of my father figures in umtata um i had two big father figures the one was velum um, skuman he is still in Umtata, he and his wife, Shaleen. And then the other one was Damien Durant. And Damien had a horrible motorcycle accident and passed on basically in my arms. It was very, very bad for me. And then um, also two church friends that passed on that I know personally. And then both my grandmother and my grandfather passed on. This really is the most incredible story of perseverance and fighting the odds. Your actual graduation from Walter Sisulu is coming up in November, mid-November, correct? Yes, that's the 15th or the 16th of November. 16th of November, we will be graduating. And I will be blessed as one of the first groups post-COVID to actually have a in-person physical graduation, which I am very, very much looking forward to. Now, your childhood dream has become a reality. At this very moment, you're a medical intern in the Clarksdorp area. Yes, yes. So I got a placement in July at Clarksdorp. Clarksdorp, uh, it's a Pong Hospital complex, um, which for all the medical students out there, I can highly, highly advise this place. You will become a very, very competent doctor. I just finished a 24-hour call and we had multiple resuscitations where you as the intern are running the resuscitation. And um, you as the intern run the resuscitations in theatre, in labour ward, all over the place as a, as a, as a paediatric intern. And uh, my previous block was a surgery and um, in surgery I had multiple opportunities to actually assist and run uh, uh, theatre cases. Um, of course, under supervision, um, because that's what interns does. And also had the opportunities to do many procedures, uh, in-ward procedures, where many other hospitals, they don't, or interns don't get that opportunity. So um, I must say, 
Um, I'm pleasantly surprised about Klerksortsepong complex. Of course, there's the normal government hospital issues, but um, they are much less than, than previous places I've worked at. And this is really a place where you as a doctor will walk out very, very competent. Your future plans? Do you wish to specialize in a particular area? So prior to my medical issues and everything, I always wanted to become an orthopedic surgeon. But with my fractured back, etc., I'm not so sure if that is a reality for me anymore. So currently, I'm not really sure about specializing. Um, the one thing that I'm definitely looking at at the moment is uh, uh, a psychiatry. Um, and if at all, I will or can also do GP. Like general practice is something that I'm looking at into. And for immediate future, I don't have something at this moment. Um, I have a dream of working on the cruise ships, but it's also not something that is a must in my life. The only thing I want to do now is just finish my internship, finish my commser, and become a, a fully licensed doctor. It is, as we said, an incredible story of achieving a dream against all odds. We congratulate you again, Dr. Isak Johan Harov. Good luck for the graduation from Walter Sisulu on the 16th of November. Congratulations on your achievements so far. Thank you for joining us today on the Daily Dispatch in discussion with Darren Mann. We wish you a good day. Thanks. eh? If I can just leave everyone with one thing, I just want to say that giving up isn't an option. And remember, perseverance is the only answer to any question in life. Be humble because the road to success is always under construction. And that is something that I've been living with and, and it really made my life like easier. For more on this story and others, you can go to dispatchlive.co.za. Today's Daily Dispatch in discussion with Darren Mann was recorded at Radioactive Productions and Publishing Studios in Newton Park, Abecha. That was the Daily Dispatch in discussion with Darren Mann.